Good afternoon, everyone from around the world tuning in. This is Jordan Hausman coming to you live from New City, New York, doing his first podcast ever, my first podcast ever. I didn't know if I should do a podcast. I have a lot to say and no one to say it to. So I thought I'd just speak into my phone and hopefully people will listen. I think it's a pretty good idea. I was told not to do it by a lot of people that think I'm irrational. I was told to do it by most of the people that think I'm a genius, but here I am doing it. I'm sitting on my deck on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. There's not that many beautiful Sunday afternoons and I think that might've inspired me to do this podcast because I live in New York and the weather's always gray and I usually represent the weather in my mood and my mood's always gray. So you're lucky I'm happy today. I'm really happy. I'm usually in a really shitty, shitty mood and you'll see it soon, but today, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm sitting here on my deck again next to my dog, who's going to be my podcast partner from now on because no one else wanted to do it with me. And honestly, my dog doesn't say anything. And to be honest, I don't want people talking to me. I've had enough. I've had enough of the Knicks fans. I've had enough of NBA Twitter. I've had enough of Mets fans. I've had enough of the Michael K show, of the Stephen A show, of all these shows that are just strictly just for what people want to hear. I'm going to give it to you real, and it's going to start today. We have a lot to talk about. But first, I need to introduce Jasmine. Jasmine, say what's up. All right, yeah, you see, exactly. She doesn't talk, but she's here, and she's listening, and she's doing a great job. She's very old. She's 15 years old. That's pretty crazy. You don't really see too many dogs that are 15, but she's 15, still going strong. She decided for me to do the podcast. She told me, like, outside of this recording that I should start it. She'll be my partner. 15 years is 105 in human years, so she has a lot of experience. She's been through a lot. She's seen it all. And, yeah, we're going to get started soon. We have a lot to talk about today. We got to talk about the Yankees. They just came off a nice series against the Astros. They won 3-1. to one. The NBA draft just concluded a couple days ago and leaves the door wide open for wide open for free agency. We have all the Zion nonsense. We just have a lot going on. We have the Women's World Cup. And yeah, just before we get started, I have to ask the audience because I just it made me completely not want to continue with the podcast because I just realized I did the math. Jasmine's 15 years old. That's 105 in human years. That's 15 times 7 for anyone who doesn't know the math. Who came up with that? Who came up with, oh, the dog lives one year? That's equal to seven years in human life. What scientist? Was it Albert Einstein? What veterinarian? I don't know any famous ones. What doctor? Dr. Martin O'Malley, who did Kevin Durant's surgery. He didn't come up with it. I would love to know the equation or algorithm. It's like, hmm, yeah, seven to one. That makes pretty sense. That makes good sense. What's a deer? 16 to one? I know insects don't even live more than like two weeks. So that's like insane. If they live a year, they'd be like... 450 years in human years maybe I will take in an insect somehow ask a veterinarian how do I keep this insect alive long as possible and then I'll have a 450 year old insect in human years just ready to tell me about the world but let's get started sorry about the sidetrack happens all the time but yeah let's start I guess let's start with some baseball today was a great day the Yankees had old timers day to start off the day Then we lost to the Astros, but it was a good series. We went up 3-1, but we'll start with today's game because it made me very upset. Because, you know, what's the difference when you're pitching, when you're going against 
the schmuck pitchers that pitch for the Astros all year. We played against Justin Verlander today. He killed us. I'm sure Aaron Judge struck out. Obviously, John Carlos Stanton struck out. Edwin Encarnacion struck out. And that's all I looked on the stat sheet who struck out because they're home run hitters. You're never going to win in the playoffs striking out against these good pitchers. Every team that you will face in the conference championship or higher will have a dominant pitcher. And they should. They most likely will have two. The Yankees don't have one. We just hit home runs. We just have a great lineup. We probably have the best lineup to ever live. It's all-star after all-star after all-star. Aaron Judge to Stan, to Sanchez, to Didi, to Glaber, to Hicks. Clint Frazier literally can't even make the team, and he's a stud. We don't have a pitcher. Severino is our pitcher. He hasn't pitched all season, and as we see, he's young. And, you know, no one's confident in Severino to win a game when you're going against Chris Sale or Justin Verlander or whoever's going to come out of the National League, Clayton Kershaw, even though I'm not too high on him. He's just too young and unexperienced and doesn't have the Yankees it that everyone needs. The it that DJ LeMahieu has since he's got on the team. The it that David Robertson had the whole time he's been here. The it that Araldis Chapman doesn't have either. You know, I don't blame it on anyone but Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman's loved. Like, loved extremely across New York. But I don't think he's done... I don't think he's putting together a championship team. You need pitching. He's great at getting assets. He's great at somehow managing to trade nothing for a lot. He's good at allowing our farm system to constantly bring up guys like Gary Sanchez and Clint Frazier and Aaron Judge wasn't supposed to be this, and he is. It's all these homegrown guys that he somehow gets. But he has the same problem as Danny Ainge. He hoards his assets. And that's a huge issue. You know, it's easy to say, oh, we have the most assets. You know, we look the best. But you need a team. You can't just hold on to everyone. Where's We needed a pitcher. We didn't want to get Justin Verlander when he was coming off a poor season and it wasn't too much to get him. We didn't want to pay for Chris Sale, who, you know, we saw saw what happened last year. We didn't want to get Gareth Cole. The Astros got him, our rivals. And Dallas Keuchel, we didn't get because we didn't want to pay the extra $1.1 million. And I don't care if no one thinks he still has it. You take the chance. What, are you going to throw J.A. Happ out there for Game 2 of the World Series? James Paxson, who hasn't proved anything to us? I, I, I'm just at a loss of words for how Cashman has struck out on so many of these big-time pitchers. And it seems like it's the Yankees' problem. I don't care how many games the Yankees will win during the regular season. They'll probably lead the league in wins. It's just different come playoff time. It's a different game, different atmosphere. And it's big time. And it's harder. People don't realize this. They're all about the analytics like strikeout or homer and it's better or walk. You, when it comes playoff times, there's so much more to the game than just analytics. There's a mental aspect of it. And it's harder to hit a home run in the playoffs and then you just get a base hit. And our hitters don't know how to get hits. It's like solo home run after solo home run. That's the Yankees hit today. They set a record 26 straight games of homers. 26. It just it's mind-boggling. But yeah, they went they beat the Astros three out of four times. We probably have the second best record in the league behind the Twins. I think in the Dodgers. We're playing pretty well. Gary Sanchez is having a great season. Everyone's, you know, everyone's having a great season. The Yankees should have four to five all-stars, you know, probably no pitchers, but four to five all-stars unless Herman, you know, makes it. But he's been on the DL because he had the whole I pitched 
two bad games in a row. So I have the I suck injury, which is Brian Cashman's go-to. But yeah, I think Brian Cashman needs to get rid of Clint Frazier or anyone that want any asset we have. Maybe Greg Bird, if he could somehow make it seem like he's worth anything, even though he's hated and get a pitcher. And I know it's just too late. The, the point I'm making is too late. What pitcher are we going to get now? Trevor Bauer? We're going to trade for Clint Frazier for Trevor Bauer, some bum who's decent, but bigger name. You know, it's hard to pitch in New York. It's easy to pitch when there's nothing on the line. It's hard to hit when you hit in New York. It's easy to hit when you're playing in the Miami Marlins Park and you're 30 games under 500 and all you're told to do is hit home runs. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Stan. But yeah, I'm stressed out about the Yankees. I don't see us as a championship team yet. And it's just something that I'll have to deal with because, you know, everyone hates the Yankees. I go to school in Florida and all they want is the Yankees to lose. Every kid I know. Every Marlins fan. They're fake Marlins fans. I mean... I don't know if I'd root for the Marlins, but I would definitely go to the games. It's like $10 a ticket to sit behind the dugout. It's ridiculous. I can't even get Chipotle in New York City for $10. (sighs) Sorry about that. I had to have a vape break. That'll be a thing constantly on my podcast. I don't get why my listeners are allowed to just vape while they listen but i can't take a break to should get a little nicked i deserve it makes me spew makes me feel good and yeah let's keep going but the yankees they don't seem like they have it this year in my eyes a lot of people think they're the best team in baseball and yeah let's go to the mets now i was a student manager on the florida university of florida baseball team when i was a freshman at school i'm going into my senior year now i just turned 21 a couple days ago it's been a good time um, my freshman year when I was a student manager, I used to throw batting practice and honestly, I was new to the team. I was new to all the rules and everything. I was new to just the idea of college baseball, even though I follow baseball, I'm an MLB guy. And I also, you know, most of the best prospects go out of high school, but the Gators have multiple MLB players. And one of the guys I threw batting practice to, and I didn't even know he was good because everyone I throw batting practice to is just hitting homers in Florida baseball or they were the number one ranked team that year and won the college world series. One of the guys I was throwing batting practice to was Peter Alonzo. Peter Alonzo has 27 home runs. He's an absolute stud rookie. And he's just the one little bit of hope the Mets have. Something to root for. Something to be happy about. A good face of the franchise. And, you know, I'm happy for the Mets. He's a great guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy to build around. But I don't really, we don't need to talk about the Mets yet. I'm trying to stay in a good mood and a winning vibe. And, yeah. So now... Let's get into basketball, and we'll talk about the NBA draft. I just need a little vape break again. One sec. I'm going to get to one second. Everyone that vapes knows the rule when you give your vape to someone else is you give it to them when they ask for it because obviously if you have a vape, you're going to have all your boys and girls and friends and family members and dads and moms asking for you know can i hit your vape the rule is like the real rule is you get it three times you get three hits and then you have to give it back people you know keep it for a long time a lot of people just like to hold on to it because they're obsessed with holding on to the vape instead of hitting it but yeah three three rips and i just took two because you know i'm in a little of a time crunch right here talking to everyone but three three rips is the rule and don't let anyone tell you otherwise you heard it here first the rule of three but yeah, speaking of the rule of three, 
the NBA draft was this Thursday. And I am one of the biggest Brooklyn Nets fans in the world. <laughs> in the world. You don't have to go to all the games. You don't have to do all the bullshit, buy all the jerseys to emotionally follow a team like that. I am so emotionally invested in this team. It's insane. It, it determines my mood. Other than the, the, There's two things that probably determine my mood, whether the Nets win or not and the weather. And that's why I went to school in Florida so I didn't have to kill myself. So I could, it could be sunny every once in a while. It was a hard 18 years growing up in New York. But yeah, I am a huge Brooklyn Nets fan. And what we did during this draft was trade the 27th pick to that bum-ass team in L.A. that's not the Lakers that think they're getting Kawhi Leonard for cap space. Like, you know, just to clear up some cap space. All this move shows that Sean Marks fully in, is fully invested in getting, getting Kevin Durant. There's been a lot of civil war going on lately, whether we should sign Kyrie Irving or D'Angelo Russell in like the Nets fan base. In my eyes, it's hard to sign Kyrie Irving at 27 years old after all the problems he's had in Boston, after not being able to do it by himself in Cleveland, by himself. I understand the whole idea of sign Kyrie Irving. He's done it before. He's one of those guys. He's not a chucker like D'Angelo. He's a winner. Yeah, it's easy to win when you're playing next to someone averaging 40, 10, and 9 like LeBron James. But listen, I like Kyrie. I'm down for Kyrie, but he needs to recruit Kevin Durant. And honestly, I don't think Kyrie can recruit anyone. I just have faith in Sean Marks. Since Sean Marks has taken over the Nets, they've done only but the right things. It's been three or four years since the Billy King regime, and he has done everything right. He somehow took nothing and turned it into a, ro- a team with culture, a team that people want to go to, a team with identity, a team that plays hard, a team with good guys, and all the cap space in the world. If Kevin Durant comes, it'll be Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Slavert, Kevin Durant, Jared Allen, and most likely Ed Davis or whoever you want to throw in that other spot. We'll still have Joe Harris. We'll still have Spencer Dinwiddie. We just picked... This big man who seems like he could catch a billion alley-oops in Nicholas Claxton from Georgia. The future is looking bright. And it just seems like the Nets are the best place to go to if you're Durant. His doctor is the Nets team, like head team doctor that we send all of our players to do their surgery. Brooke Lopez got his ankle surgery with Dr. Martin O'Malley. It just seems like it's the best place to go to. You don't want to be part of the Golden State Warriors where everyone considers your whole entire career fake and that you can't win by yourself. You don't want to stay in San Francisco. He doesn't want to be there. He wants to be in L.A. or New York. And everyone knows that Durant, I think, prefers the Knicks over the Nets. But it's like the Knicks kind of make it impossible for them to... The Knicks make it impossible for you to have for you to go there and play for James Dolan. It's the last place you want to be. They have R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, Dennis Smith. And they've done a good job the last year or two to just, I don't know, make it look a little better. But it just doesn't seem like it's like Durant won't win there. And if Durant somehow comes back next year, that's not a playoff team that he can. There's no reason for him to come back. And it's just crazy if you're a Knicks fan. My brother is a ginormous Knicks fan and the most ignorant guy I know regarding sports. He's also emotional, which makes him ignorant. But it's crazy how a month ago, a month ago, all you could hear was Zion Williamson. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they're all going to be here. It's a lock. It's the biggest lock ever. 
the draft's rigged. I thought the draft was going to be rigged. I thought Adam Silver had a group chat with James Dolan and Kevin Durant, and we all knew it was going to go down. I thought it was definitely rigged when the last four teams were the Pelicans, Grizzlies, Knicks, and Lakers. I'm like, oh, my God, this is absurd. I'm like, the Knicks are going to get Zion. LeBron's going to get John Morant and his point guard. And then you got the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. <laughs> the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. And they end up with the first two picks because that schmuck Adam Silver... I guess it's fair. He doesn't care so much, I guess, about all the money that Zion Williamson will bring. He's fair, which who knows? You know, who knows if Patrick Ewing's draft was actually rigged, but I think we all do. But yeah, the, the draft was a great time. It was. It was a, one of those drafts you'll remember forever. It was the draft of Zion Williamson. I thought all the players looked better than they usually do. Only Tyler Hero had that ridiculous suit. Bull Bull had that ridiculous suit. One thing that I'll say about the draft before we get into each team and who won and regarding all that nonsense. One thing about it was they invited 23 prospects to the green room. And for those of you don't, that don't know, the green room is where you sit on, you know, the floor of the Barclays Center. You bring your family. They get you in a hotel. They let you, you know, they sponsor your suit. You know, you meet people. You sign basketballs, blah, blah, blah. The whole, you know, nine yards. You can't invite 23 people to the green room. It's just a recipe for disaster. There's going to be people sitting there not getting picked. And these kids are 18 years old. If I was 18 sitting there not getting picked next to my friends and family, after all these guys in front of me that I spent the last two weeks are getting picked, I would have a mental breakdown. A mental breakdown. Bull Bull was an example of what the green, like how you cannot invite 23 people to the green room. He was sitting on the floor till he was 46, like pick 46 to the Nuggets or some nonsense like that. It's embarrassing. It hurts. He has to sit there waiting. It's just tough for an 18 year old. There was Jordan Poole bought a ticket to Barclays Centers, walked out of the crowd and was picked before. Bull Bull. Kevin Porter Jr. was the 30th pick. And, like, the NBA doesn't take the blame because supposedly the team send in, you know, a list of players they should invite to the green room. It doesn't matter. No one knows what's going to happen on draft night. No one. Kevin Porter Jr. was the 30th pick. Keldon Johnson, that schmuck from Kentucky, was, like, the 28th pick. It, it, I just feel bad for the players, and it, it needs to change. And I, I've had many discussions about something that also needs to change in regarding the trades and how it's been going on since Kobe Bryant had to put on a Charlotte Hornets hat. Why don't these players get to put on the hat of the team they're picked? Everyone is confused, and especially this year, with all the trades that happened, it's probably the most in, I've seen in 20 years or ever, like trades the night of or the, the day before draft night. These guys all go up and take pictures with Adam Silver and Mark Tatum in the wrong hats. And half the guys don't even know what team they're on, I feel like. I'm not saying these guys aren't you know, the sharpest tool in the, in the shed, but what's his name, Jackson Hayes? He didn't. He put on a different hat because the Pelicans traded back to get the eighth pick. He didn't even put together the fact that he's playing with Zion Williamson in the interview with Maria Taylor. He laughed at that. He's like, "Oh my God, I'm playing with Zion." It's like that. It just needs to be changed for so many different reasons. So many. But other than the logistics of the draft, you know, the green room and the hats and you know all the suits and the nonsense, I think it was a pretty deep draft. I like the whole idea of there were so many. I would say you know, six, seven small forwards and like, you know, six, nine long, like guys with long wingspans. And it, it just seemed like that's where the NBA is trending. 
You need to be long and tall and shoot. You need to be a specialist at something. You can't just be like an athlete. You can't just be like a John Wall who's fast and can kind of pass and can kind of shoot. No, like you won't get picked high that way. You need something. And I thought I thought teams reached for a lot of people. A lot. A lot of people. I thought Jackson Hayes at 8 by the Pelicans was a terrible pick. I'm not telling David Griffin who to pick. But Cam Reddish was on the board. So many people were on the board with high potential, and they pick Jackson Hayes, who they don't even... He definitely won't start next year. The guy weighs like 208 pounds. And he's supposed to play center? I mean, he could be good. He could have that Jared Allen body type, you know, small centers from... The small center vibe from Texas. Skinny, I mean, not small. You know, that could jump, pick and roll, block shots. With the eighth pick, it's just the reach. I thought the Miami Heat took a reach. I think you pick a guy like Tyler Harrow at 13 when you know that you're going to compete next year for a playoff team and you need a shooter. I don't think he was the best on the board at 13. I thought that guy Sakou from France, he looks like he's the next Pascal Siakam. 6'8", like 215 pounds, crazy wingspan from France. So he's played in real leagues before. You know, a guy with elite potential to be a star. I don't think anyone thinks Tyler Harrow is going to be a star. I don't. I really don't. I don't think P.J. Harrison at 12 was a good pick. What does he excel, on, excel at so great? Hustling? He's not. He's 6'8", power forward. That doesn't make it in the NBA. Unless you're as good as Draymond Green skilled-wise. But I'm sure P.J. Harrison's not. I mean, uh, what's his name? P.J. Washington's not. I watched P.J. Washington play in college a lot. I went to a Gators basketball game this past year, and he was good. Tyler Harrow was honestly better, but he was really good. He bodies college players. He plays hard. He rebounds. He has a good, you know, catches the ball in the post and turns and faces and drives in tough, has some nice moves. Things catch up to you in the NBA. And the whole hustle thing, you know, you got to bring it every night, but there's 82 games. No one brings it every night. No one brings it every night. No one. And I think that'll be a problem for a lot of these guys that get picked so high because they hustle and they're stronger than most of the people in college. You're not going to be stronger than most of the people in the NBA. You're not. So those were two reaches from Kentucky, 12 and 13, that I totally, and Jackson Hayes at 8, that was ridiculous. Now let's get into the whole reason anyone watched the draft, which was Zion Williamson. One second, guys. I'm getting a charger from my phone. It's about to die. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I'll whistle from not wanting these podcasts when I don't know what to do. Got my charger. I'm plugging it in at 1%. Now I got to sit on a different part of the deck. Something about me, I'm the guy that waits till his phone's on 1%, plugs my phone in, and then charges it till 13%, and I take out the charger. And it's a whole 20-minute routine every single day, at least 15 times. But it's okay. I live my life like that. Just you need, you, know, you need enough, but not too much. Regardless, let's talk about Zion Williamson. 2019, the draft of Zion Williamson. The year the next LeBron's coming. I was in the ninth grade playing on my JV basketball team when Twitter, you know, was pretty big. Like, at the time, for at least high schoolers, where people would tweet and, like, your high school friends would see it and laugh. And, like, we would all write ridiculous things and 
didn't even know how to type on Twitter or make a status and just sounds so ridiculous. But I would be seeing, as I would go back in the locker room after JV basketball practice in ninth grade, I would go on my phone and see this like 6'9 kid who is my, like a year or two younger than me in high school doing 360 windmills. And all I could think in my head was, this guy's 25. I don't believe anything I see on the internet. But I was wrong. And he was two years younger than me or however much younger than me he is. And he is now the first pick. I would have taken Zion Williamson with the first pick. It's hard not to. He is a freak. He's a freak athlete. He's a specimen. I've never seen someone his age be that heavy, can jump that high, be that strong, and run that fast. Um, he still needs to do a lot of work on his skills. I watched him a lot in college. He seems like he's going to have the type of powerball play, which is interesting because that's just not the way the NBA is these days. It's not. It's three or dunk, you know. As we saw in the conference finals, you know, against the Raptors, Giannis got shut down by a good defense. And I don't even think Zion's going to be as good as Giannis. You got to be able to shoot. Or you need someone else in your team if you're going to, like, you know, Giannis had shooters around him. You need all parts of your game to work. You need to be a five, as baseball players say, like, you know, you're a five-star, a five-tool athlete. You could, you know, hit. You could hit for power. You could run. You could play defense. And you could throw. That's a five-tool athlete in baseball. You need to do it all in basketball now if you want to be considered that best player. You do. Go. This is my mom. She walked outside interrupting the podcast. She's turning on the grill. She's going to make some dinner. Yep. Now she's back inside. She brought me some sushi. That's not very nice of her. So, yeah. I I think Zion Williamson... And you have to take him with the first pick because you just don't know. You just don't know. And if you see someone like that, you see the way he dunks, the, how hard he plays, the way he rebounds. He's shown that he could pass. He's shown that he really tries and he cares about basketball. He's shown that he's open to shooting threes. You know, I don't, I don't think most guys his size shoot threes or are open to it, at least at his age. So you have to take him. But I think that Zion Williamson will end up like Blake Griffin. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to have crazy dunks. He's going to have some injury problems. His shooting's going to be inconsistent. But yeah, I think I think he'll be a great player. And you know, it was awesome to see him go. He looked great in his white suit, white pants. He looked very good and clean. He cried hysterically after being the first pick. As did John Morant at the second pick. As did RJ Barrett at the third pick. They all cried. Something I haven't seen in a while, but I think it just shows how, I don't know, just the kids these days are a little different. They're, they're, they're honestly raised a little... You could tell they're raised a little different. They're not as uh, straight out of the streets, you could say. You know, right out of Rucker Park in New York City. Second pick, John Morant. I don't know what to say about him. I think the fact that he played against Murray, like, you know, competition, whatever conference Murray State is, you know, could be a downside. But as we see from Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, that it's not really a big deal if you go to a college like Weber State, Weber State, or Lehigh. So I think John Morant could be great. I, th- I think it's going to be a good fit with Jaron Jackson. I think people are going to forget about him pretty fast once the season starts. You know, he plays in Memphis. You know, no one really cares about the Grizzlies. And then he could be an all-star, though. And I think I, I think he is the best point guard in the draft. I think so. Like, talent-wise, I don't know if he'll be the best point guard. I think there's a lot of other guys like Garland and Ty Jerome who just have, like, it a little more. Like, the it factor of winning games... And being that star and like being that person that wants the big time moment. 
But yeah, I think John Morant's by far the most talented point guard. He can shoot. He can dunk. He's just a little too skinny. He's 6'3", 175 pounds. I'll tell you right now, I'm 6'3", 180, and I feel like a twig. And trust me, I can't even play D3 basketball. So let's get into the third pick. RJ Barrett. Is he the savior of New York City? And I'm going to tell you that if he was picked by any other team, he probably would be the best player in this draft. I think so. I think he got, you know, way too much criticism this year. He was the leading scorer in the country or in the ACC, whatever it was. He had to carry that Dukes team back where they had one other scorer in Cam Reddish who seemed like he was just came out of the locker room after eating McDonald's, like which he just talked about on the Stephen A. on first take that he eats too much, you know, junk food and he had no motor in, in, in college. Zion didn't play most of the season. And everyone just overlooked the fact that R.J. Barrett had to carry the team. Literally, carry the team. So I don't care about his shooting percentage. You know, D'Angelo Russell's shooting percentage wasn't the best this year. But that's what happens when you carry the team. I think R.J. Barrett does it all. I think he's really strong for his age. I think the fact that he's a lefty throws off defenders. I think he has that New York mentality. I think he thinks he's the best, which is a big-time deal in the NBA. You gotta, you gotta, when you come in as a rookie, you got to think you're great. Or you're not going to play hard. Or you're not going to feel like you belong. He's going to have an opportunity in New York. I'm just worried about the fact that New York won't sign anyone and just handle this the wrong way like they always do. Like they always do, but at least New York, James Dolan, and the management did the right thing. Steve Mills, they took the guy they were supposed to. They could have messed it up a billion ways. A billion. They could have traded the pick. They could have picked Garland, who could be great, but the right pick the other night was R.J. Barrett. He's got game. He could ball. And hopefully he's just that guy next year that just gives the Knicks some promise at least, even if they don't get anyone. Because, like, I have been watching the Nets for four years. You know, you don't always just rebuild your team by getting LeBron James and Anthony Davis or getting Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. You start from the bottom sometimes. The Warriors drafted Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and it took them time still. Mark Jackson got fired because he was the four sheet. It takes time. So, I mean, hopefully that... I have faith in Kevin Knox. I think he has that body type of Siakam that is great in the NBA. Mitchell Robinson showed some promise. I, I really don't love Dennis Smith. I think he's like a trick player, the way he dunks, and I think people like that even though it's just two points. Not a great shooter, not a great passer, but he's a good young player, I guess. They've got some assets, and they just they need to win some games this year. There's no tanking anymore in the NBA. The Pelicans got the first pick, and the Lakers got the fourth, and they didn't deserve anywhere close to either of them. There's no tanking anymore. So, the Knicks did the right thing. Now, we'll, after the first three picks, as everyone just said, it was a three-person draft, even though I don't believe that whatsoever. Let's get in a little deeper about who did well and who didn't. Who did well? I think the Atlanta Hawks did well. They traded to get down for the fourth pick for DeAndre Hunter, who I wasn't so high on, but he'll definitely be an NBA player. He's got the body. He's got it all. He could shoot. He's played in big-time games. He... Is someone that can come in and be a 3D guy. They got him at four. They traded up for him. He could. They then at ten, pick someone who seemed like he dropped a little bit for his talent level in Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish was the third recruit coming into the college year. I don't think college basketball always translates great to like how they play in the NBA. And I think for Cam Reddish, it's more of a mental thing than a talent thing. I think he doesn't have the motor. But Cam Reddish could have been the third pick if he had a better season at Duke, talent-wise. And you pair both of those guys next to Trey Young and John Collins, they're a team that could shoot, and they're long. 
they're going to be able to play defense because Trey can't play that great defense. DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish can both be elite time defenders in the NBA. And they're supposed to be able to be shooters. And it's a shooting league. It's a make-or-miss league. You know, it's great if you pass the ball around 10 times to send the ball, as I've witnessed a billion times, in the corner for Gerald Wallace, you know, to brick a three. In the corner for, uh, let's think about it, who was on the nest out? CJ Watson, that brick a three. In the corner for Keith Bogans, who's supposed to be a shooter to brick a three. In the corner for Lance Thomas, to brick a three. It doesn't matter, like, what type of offense you do to make or miss league in any shooters. And I thought the Atlanta Hawks put two 3 and D guys, or like potential 3 and D guys, or hopefully they could do more than that, on their team next to Trey Young. In a league where you need those guys. They have a promising young core, the Hawks. Basketball is big time in Atlanta. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for the Atlanta Hawks. I think they could be like the next Denver Nuggets, Brooklyn Nets type of situation where they're going to have talent, win some games, surprise some people. Who else did a good job in the draft? I thought the Cleveland Cavaliers did in John Beeline. I thought they did a great job. The Cavaliers picked Colin Sexton last year, but that wasn't John Beeline's pick. He took over from the University of Michigan. John Beeline took Darius Garland, the point guard that seems like he's very much like Trey Burke was. And Trey Burke didn't pan out, but again, a lot of it's about the situation you're put into once you're in the NBA. I think all these guys have talent. They need to be put into the right situation to excel in this league. It's confidence. And they picked Darius Garland, who seems like he will be the starting point guard. We didn't see too much of him this year. From Vanderbilt, he got hurt, in a sense like Kyrie Irving did. Played only a couple of games. Very highly scouted, I would say. It seems like he can shoot. He's got some swag. He seems like a good guy. Plays hard. Seems like he's a better defender than John Morant. And Bilan, I assume, was very high on him. And as we see from Michigan, over the past, over his tenure, you should trust John Beeline and what he thinks about point guards, at least. He's had some great ones. Then, the Cleveland Cavaliers selected, I'm not sure what pick it was, Dylan Windler at number, like, 18 or 20 or something. Dylan Windler could ball. He is from Belmont. He led their conference in scoring. He's a lefty who seems like he could slash. He's an elite shooter. He looks like James Harden as a white boy in his step back. He has red hair. He just seems like a guy that could shock people in the NBA, and he's a typical John Beeline player. I think John Beeline's the type of coach that could set this guy doing one of ups for crazy success in the NBA. He could ball. So that's another guy they picked. Then they trade for the 30th pick for Kevin Porter Jr., who, as Chris Brickley, if anyone knows who that is, as an under, he has a new show on ESPN Plus called Undeclared, and he's a trainer for NBA players in New York City. You see his Instagram all the time with D'Angelo Russell there, Kevin Durant there, LeBron's been there, Alonzo Trier from the Knicks. He said Kevin Porter Jr. was the best one-on-one player, and in, in a way, it seemed like that at USC this season. It seemed like he didn't really know, in a sense, how to play basketball, but he just has all the talent in the world. And I guess there's a reason he dropped the 30. I mean, maybe he didn't interview well. Maybe the, he doesn't seem like he could follow the playbook. Maybe he has defensive flaws. But all I know is Kevin Porter Jr. could score. He could take his guy off the dribble. He is confident in himself. And the fact that you put together the shooter and Dylan Windler, this guy who can flat-out shoot the ball, this general on the floor in Darius Garland, and this guy who has the potential to be their best scorer on the team in Kevin Porter... I think they did pretty well in the first round. You know, for a team that their best player was Colin Sexton, who, in my opinion, wasn't even that great this year. 
I don't think Colin Sexton is going to be anything more than a starting point guard in the league, and that's it. No, like, you know, I could see Darius Garland being, like, a nice Drew Holiday type of, type of player, you know, plays great defense, can score the ball, floor general. So, yeah, I think the Cavs did great. I think John Beeline's on the right path. I just hope his system, you know, move the ball, play, slow it down, could work in the NBA, but we'll see. No one knows. Teams that didn't do good. Oh, my God, the Hornets. Hornets picked, like I said before, the P.J. Washington. This is after years of them just destroying draft picks. Michael K. Gilchrist, Frank Kaminsky. Uh, I'm gonna keep, uh, Malik Monk has some promise. I guess Miles Bridges has some promise. But there's a list of seven rookies they've picked in the last seven years that just all were picked in the lottery, and they all haven't turned out. They're all just okay. They have Marvin Williams, who's okay. All these guys were just okay. I mean, Kemba was good, but Kemba was only recently good. And, you know, Kemba can't. Kemba's the third best player on a championship team. Let's be real. I don't even want to get into the Charlotte Hornets anymore. The Suns messed up as well. They picked a guy who scored like eight points a game or ten points a game on North Carolina. That's already older than Devin Booker. When there's so many people left on the board. The Suns are just seem like they just don't know what they're doing sometimes. They don't. They got rid of Marquise Chris, who they picked a couple years ago. They get rid of all their draft picks. They also have the same draft picking problem. They get rid of these guys that they pick so high. Oh, yeah, what's his name? Dragon Bender. Dragon Bender, as I was told. You know, the next Chris Stapps Porzingis. So, yeah, they got rid of him. They picked this guy, Cam Johnson, who supposedly is, like, the best shooter in the draft. But I don't believe it. He's already 23. I mean, maybe he could be good. But it just seems like they don't know what they're doing. And the fact that he's so old. I also thought the Bulls, I don't think Colby, one player, it's not that they didn't do a great job as a a whole, the Bulls, but I think they messed up picking Colby White. I don't don't understand why everyone sees Colby White as so, like, highly stouted and everything. All these guys from North Carolina and Kentucky get picked so high every year strictly due to the fact that they're recruited high and they're on these great teams. You know, you could take Colby White off North Carolina and they'd still be a good team. He seems like a floor general who could bring the ball up. There was no difference between Colby White and Marcus Page in my eyes. And Marcus Page couldn't even get drafted for four years. I want to be wrong about Colby White. Seems like a nice guy. Reminds me a lot of Alfred Payton, though. Supposedly, he's a better shooter, but I didn't see it so much in college. I didn't. I mean, he shot well. It's all about hitting those big-time shots and big-time moments against great teams, and I just, I don't understand why people like Keldon Johnson and P.J. Washington and Tyler Harrow get picked, or like, they're, they're so highly rated in the mock drafts and in the draft just because they go to Kentucky and North Carolina. It's a big problem and something that GMs need to look at in the future. I don't know why people don't pick European players more and way higher. They all seem like they know how to play the game the right way, which is more important these days. The Spurs picked that guy, Samancic. Don't know too much about him. I would be surprised if he isn't in the NBA in 10 years. The Spurs will groom him. Hopefully he's great. Saku, like the guy that Pistons drafted, I don't know anything about him. I know he's from France. I've seen some highlights. It seems like he's long, he could run, he could rebound, and he dunks, and he just has the NBA body already. I don't know how teams pass on him. After seeing what happened with Giannis... After seeing what happened with Pascal Siakam, after seeing the Nets pick Rodion Kourouz in the second round last year, and he was one of the best players on their team, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. 
Everyone considers these European guys so low after Luka Doncic, after Kristaps Porzingis. How are these European guys not being picked higher and more frequently? They're better. European basketball is better. They teach you how to play the game the right way. It's more like the NBA. You, you live more like a professional already. And I'm just getting upset talking about it. Just thinking about all these guys passing up on this guy's Saku. And I hope the Pistons don't destroy him because I hope he's the next Giannis. But they're just idiots. I need a vape break. Give me a sec. They're idiots. I'm no GM. But I don't need to be a genius to know that a higher percentage of European guys make it than American guys. And I know it's a large sample size for the American guys. Not everyone could be Michael Jordan. But when you watch these European players play, they play the right way. They might not have the bodies. What bodies Luka Doncic have? I mean, he's big and strong, but, you know, he can't jump out of the building. He's not faster than everyone else. He knows how to use his body. He knows how to dribble the ball. He makes the right plays. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Nuggets came. I think the Nuggets did a good job drafting Bull Bull that late. I, I, I don't see how he dropped that far. I'm not saying he's going to be good, but he's a project. He's not going to play next year. But how do you not draft a guy who's 7'3 and can shoot like that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that his body, you know, is injury prone. But when you look at him, I mean, I think if he played the whole season, he would have been a top 10 pick. He was a McDonald's All-American and shot great at Oregon. I'm sure he didn't interview the best. I'm sure he's not, again, the sharpest tool in the shed. But just that, like, yeah, he was invited to the green room for a reason. He was. Um, let's talk about sleepers of the draft. I think Ty Jerome could be a great player from Virginia. Floor general is a little older, more mature. I like the fact that he did so poorly in all the combine stuff. He didn't jump high. He didn't have a fast shuttle. But, yeah, he knows how to play basketball. And the Suns picked him, kind of saving their gra- draft, I guess. But I don't know. I think Cameron Johnson was picked too high. But I think Ty Jerome could be a sleeper of the draft. <sighs> I think Iggy Brodzenkis that the Knicks picked in the second round could be great. You know, I, I just think a lot of the later picks are going to be good. You know, there's not as much pressure on them. It's been like that. I mean, you just saw the Raptors. The highest pick they had was Kawhi Leonard. So, yeah, I mean, I think the draft was great this year. I think a lot of players are going to be good. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be good. Hopefully the top three picks are going to be good. I mean, last year the top five picks were the NBA all-rookie first team, and that hasn't happened in like 30 years. So, you know, you root for that because you root for that because the best players should be picked the highest. It just shows that NBA GMs know what they're doing in a sense because, as we all know, a lot of these guys really don't know what they're doing at all. Let's get into free agency now. It's, we have like seven days towards, or seven or eight. Yeah, seven days towards free agency. It's the biggest summer of my life. Or biggest, like, you know, free agency of my life. I'm hoping the Nets get Irving and Durant. What I really want is them to re-sign Russell. I love D'Angelo Russell. The analytics might not love D'Angelo Russell, but when you watch him, he has it. He plays hard. He cares. He was the first all-star from the Nets in so long. He changed the way people looked at the Nets, look at the brand, look at the culture of them. He is the culture. He's the brand. It's that Brooklyn intensity. It's that Brooklyn, we don't care. We're going to play hard. We go hard. That's our thing. 
So yeah, I mean, my, my, my dream is to keep D'Angelo Russell inside Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is by far the best player in the league, as we saw. He does it on both ends of the floor. He plays in the flow of the game. He doesn't need to bring the ball up. He doesn't yell at his teammates. He lets them be better. He makes his teammates better by not having a surge of giving them a sense of urgency to pass him the ball. Every other player does that. Kevin Durant does that. You saw Draymond Green fighting with him in the beginning of the season for not passing him the ball when there was like six seconds left. So Durant can just dribble it up himself and shoot. Draymond tried to make a play and messed it up. But guess what? Draymond didn't do the wrong thing. Draymond's supposed to push the ball. LeBron James has to bring up the ball and control it. James Harden has to do that. Chris Paul has to do that. Kawhi Leonard goes in the flow of the game. And it's something that is one of those talents that are unseen, but it's unbelievable how he does that. He doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time to score the quietest 35 you'll ever see as he's locking up Giannis Antetokounmpo. He does it on both ends, so that's my dream for the Nets going into free agency. I would love to re-sign D'Angelo Russell and somehow sign Kawhi Leonard as well. I think Sean Marks has a relationship with Uncle Dennis, Kawhi's agent, also his uncle. I think that's amazing, by the way, that he doesn't care enough to sign with an agency like Rock Nation or Clutch Sports or CAA. I think it's hilarious that he does his uncle. That's how I would be if I were in the NBA. My dad would be my agent slash lawyer slash life coach. You know, got to stick with the family. But, yeah, that's my dream for... I think Sean Marks knows Uncle Dennis from his tenure with the Spurs. Sean Marks was the assistant GM when they won, and Kawhi was the finals MVP before he left to go to the Nets. It was reported that in, like, November of this season that Uncle Dennis was caught having dinner with Sean Marks, but no one knows with Kawhi. He doesn't say anything. You'll never know. I don't think he's staying in Toronto. It seems like he's going to LA Clippers, and all I can say about that is I don't understand why he would want the whole... Kawhi Leonard versus LeBron James thing, you know, who's the who's the king of LA, but I don't even think Kawhi Leonard thinks about that. I don't think he cares about anything other than winning basketball games. As you see in the tweets, you know, Kawhi comes home from work and he tells his parents he got a promotion <laughs> because they don't even know he plays basketball. You just don't know with him. He's hilarious. He's an enigma. He's the claw, he's the board man, he's the fun guy, he's whatever he wants you to be. He's probably my favorite player. Or he like I love him because I think he's the best and in the fashion in which he does it is just something we've never seen before. So that's my dream for the Nets. I, I do think he's going to the Clippers though. I don't see him staying in Toronto at all. You gotta think about it as a real life standpoint and anyone listening to the, in this in this podcast, please stop listening if you'd rather live in Toronto for the next five years over LA. You got to think about someone like, you know, they're a real human being. He, it's where they want to live for the next five years. It's not always about the money. He has kids. I, th- I think he has a daughter. I'm sure he would rather raise his daughter in the USA than in Canada. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to the Clippers. I'm hoping he somehow, you know, Sean Marsh can convince him in the meeting. I'm sure he'll take a meeting with the Nets and the Knicks. He's not going to go to the Lakers. Um, We'll keep going. Kevin Durant. He's either going to stay in Golden State, go to the Brooklyn Nets, as it's seen on Twitter, that he is the favorite, reported by Stefan Bondi of the Daily News and multiple other people. But if he stays in Golden State and does the whole, like, you know, one-year sign-in trade to make more money, I, I don't really understand why he would take $55 more million on his contract when if he comes to New York, James Dolan can just get him $55 million in another way. If he comes to Brooklyn, he can get it through Rock Nation in another way. 
he has enough money already. Does he really care about the extra 55 million? I, I think it's more about maybe wanting to stay and, you know, and just win championships. But that'll leave the Warriors with nothing and a billion dollars, the most money in luxury tax anyone basketball team's ever seen by far. They're re-signing Clay. They're giving him the max. Anything lower than the max will be seen from Clay's eyes as completely disrespectful, which it is. And yeah, Clay's going to stay in Golden State. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with Kevin Durant. The only way I see him going to the Knicks is if he somehow changes Kyrie Irving's mind about the Nets and goes to the Knicks with him. But I, I don't see Kyrie changing his mind. He seems pretty content. He seems like he took charge and wanting to go to the Nets. He grew up as a Nets fan. He grew up in New Jersey. Yeah, it seems like he bought a house in New Jersey. He's loved the Nets, I guess. I guess he likes the new management. You know, the Nets have some culture and some management. Like People have taken notice around the league what they've done. They made the playoffs when they weren't even supposed to be... They were supposed to be the bottom five in the lottery this year. Kyrie Levert's an emerging star. Jared Allen can play. Joe Harris led the league in three-point shooting. Spencer Dinwiddie's one of the best six men in the league. There's a lot to like if they re-sign Ed Davis. He's a hard-working guy. You don't want to play against Ed Davis. You don't. So we'll see from then, too. Um, the Lakers seem relatively screwed. I think they completely lost the Pelicans trade. They gave up so much. We don't even have to get into it. It's like years and years of picks and swaps. And the GM, like, Palinka didn't even know what he was doing when he made the trade. That he didn't understand that this left him with left... Like, they don't have another match spot now. And I don't think these guys, like, Kemba Walker... You know, they need a guard. I don't think these guys like Kemba Walker, Tobias Harris, whoever they sign are going to take less than the max. They haven't been paid yet. Maybe Jimmy Butler, maybe, but I, I don't see him going there. They, they need shooters around LeBron, and they need people, they need a deep bench, which they just can't get anymore because they just don't have enough money. Like LeBron and AD are both, in my eyes, injury prone. I wouldn't be surprised if they both play less than 60 games a season somehow. Um... So yeah, they, they need to sign someone, and they need to put shooters around LeBron ASAP. I mean, I don't know if it's LeBron running it or Palenka. I mean, I know I would assume LeBron was running it last year by signing Stevenson and Rondo and Contavious Caldwell-Pope as part of Clutch Sports, but he did the worst job in the history then. I mean, those guys just can't shoot, and they're just a bunch of misfits in the NBA. I mean, I love Rondo. I love Stevenson, but they have their own, like, type of game that just does not fit around LeBron you know you need Kyle Korver in the corner shooting threes when he kicks it out you need Ray Allen you need James Jones six championships by the way elite I mean I just hope they do a better job this year I don't don't think the Lakers are gonna win I don't think LeBron's ever gonna win again due to this trade I mean they had to do it like they were the laughing stock of the NBA where they had so much pressure on them they had to get someone around LeBron but LeBron forced the issue too much and Palenka felt that pressure and gave up everything and now they need to figure out a way somehow that they can get another max player I don't think this Lakers team with LeBron and AD are better than the Warriors without Kevin Durant I think Draymond, Steph and Clay will run the floor with them it's a different style of play. And Anthony Davis has not been in a moment like this before. I mean, I'm sure they'll be great together. I'm sure they'll win games. I think they'll be the four seed in the West. It's hard to win games in the West. Something that is never talked about in LeBron's tenure in the league, that he never played in the West in the one year he did. And I, I guess you could say it was a bad team. He didn't make the playoffs. I'm sure if he had that Lakers team in the East, they're one of the best teams in the East. Maybe if LeBron was in the West his whole career, he wouldn't be a three-time champion. He wouldn't have maybe made seven straight finals. He definitely wouldn't have. He maybe wouldn't be considered the best player ever by a lot of people. 
something that needs to be thought about going forward because I don't think LeBron's even a top four player anymore. Maybe five, maybe six. I'd rather have Durant, Kawhi, Giannis. I know people don't like this, but I'd rather have Steph Curry right now. I just think LeBron's going to struggle in the West until he retires. It's hard. It's hard to win there. You play a lot of good teams. And I think they need to get another max guy. If Palenka can somehow pull that off, getting rid of some, you know, they have Kuzma left to trade. But it seems like Kuzma could help them. So I think the Lakers are actually in a big predicament right now, even though everyone's so happy-go-lucky about them. Regarding everyone else, no one else is worth the pay other than Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Durant. The Max, I think the Sixers are going to go for it by trying to get Tobias and Jimmy because in their eyes, they're like, oh, we only lost to the Raptors because Kawhi hit a crazy shot and the Raptors won the whole thing. I think the Sixers will never go over the top with that team. You know, Embiid's out of control on and off the court. He's a great player, Embiid, great. But he's just out of control and people want to beat him. Simmons has a lot to learn. Jimmy Butler seems like their go-to guy in the clutch, which is fine because he is big time at moments. But can you picture Jimmy Butler winning a championship being the guy that gets the ball in the clutch? No. You don't. So I really think whatever team Kawhi Leonard goes to this offseason, whether it's the Clippers, the Nets, or stays in Toronto, even the Knicks should be the favorite to win the whole thing, assuming Kevin Durant can't come back. Assuming that the Warriors are going to be different without Klay Thompson the whole season. I think when Klay Thompson comes back and he's ready to go, they should go back to the favorite again. I think the Rockets need to make a trade. Somehow, they need to get a little bit better, but they should feel... They're all freaking out in Houston. The whole world's freaking about Houston. They now have the door wide open for them to win the West. There's no Klay Thompson, no Kevin Durant. The one team they can't beat is the Warriors every single season. Every single season, they seem better than the Warriors, and everyone says their style of play can't beat the Warriors. Their style of play could beat everyone else. I thought if the if the Rockets beat the Warriors that year that Chris Paul got hurt two years ago, they would have beaten that cast team just like the Warriors did. But no, they, they lost. Deservingly so. I don't I don't believe in the whole if Chris Paul played, they would have won thing. That's, that's nonsense to me. What ifs? You know, what if I was 6'8 and 220? I wouldn't be doing this fucking podcast. But I think the Rockets should just relax, make a good move. I don't think they should trade Capella. They can't get rid of Chris Paul. They can't. That $40 million contract for the next five years, they can't. He's old. No one wants him. They'll have to give up picks for someone to take him. I I, I don't know who they're going to move. I know they love P.J. Tucker, but maybe it's time to move him because he is actually, like, he is considered highly throughout the league. 3 and D plays hard and you know their version of Draymond Green the Rockets have it wide open the Nuggets can win the West maybe but yeah it's just it's so much craziness going on and you haven't seen the NBA like this in years you know when's the last time Steph Curry or LeBron James didn't win I don't know and it feels so fucking good that they didn't win this year and it feels so good that it just seems like the league is getting a break from the Warriors for a hot sec. You know, I, I love Klay Thompson more than anyone. But it just it feels good that, you know, that juggernaut isn't there waiting for you. Every team feels like they can go out and get it right now. 
And that's why this free agency, you're going to see guys like Al Horford at age like 32 getting four-year, $120 million contracts. You're going to see Tobias Harris getting the max, Kimball Walker getting the max, Jimmy Butler getting the max, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. I think he's a good player, but the max, is he really that good? I'd rather have Pascal Siakam on my team. He could shoot, you know? He could play defense. It's easy when Giannis is next to you. He's important to the Bucks, but yeah, the Bucks are going to give him a max. The Bucks think they can win still. I don't think the Bucks could win with like the way they're just so heavily based on Giannis. I don't. I think Brogdon's a great player. I think Middleton's great. I, think, I mean, I hope they can keep Brook Lopez. He loves it there, it seems like, but they're going to have to pay him. It's just, I'm, I'm excited, as all you guys should be, for this upcoming NBA season. Jasmine, my dog, is still sitting here listening to me. 56 minutes later. 15 years old. She should she should sign for the max. I would sign her for the max. Talk about consistency, talking about persistence. She could listen. Might be the greatest dog ever. I'm hoping the Nets are the greatest team ever. I'm hoping that my podcast is the greatest podcast ever. I just don't want to be famous, though, as you all can understand. I don't want to walk into Chipotle for someone asking me to take a selfie or tell them to fuck off. I feel like being famous sucks, and that's why I'm not famous yet. You know, I got all the talent in the world. <laughs> I could do a lot of different things to become famous, I would say. But, yeah, I, I think my goal in life is to be stay-at-home dad and just spread my wisdom in any way possible I want to see my kids you know I want to make my wife happy when she comes home from work there'll be dinner on the table ready for her some zucchini lasagna if you haven't made it make it look up the recipe insane and healthy as my two kids are sitting there on the table happy as shit because I'm the best stay-at-home dad ever ever Wow. I just want to go out and look for a rich wife right now. Just thinking about it all. I probably won't even care about, about the NBA by then. I'm amazed I could talk for 58 straight minutes about nonsense. About nothing that really matters in the grand scheme of things in real life. But that's what this podcast is about. It's not all just about sports. It's about me. It's about you as the listener. It's about rationale. It's about what's right and what's wrong. And even if you're wrong... You're arguing the right way. That's what I can't stand. When people are just ignorant in their arguments. It makes me just want to take a vape break, which I'm about to right now. Wow, that's amazing. I was stressed for a little bit. I need some Nick. My friends call me the Colossus of Clouds because I'm a vape god. (sighs) It's getting a little colder outside and I am going to wrap up this podcast. I just want to say thank you all for listening. Follow me on Twitter at JordanHasman1. This is Jordan Hasman again coming to you live from New City, New York, the least important town in America, probably behind the seven Springfields that we have. Everywhere. And I just want to say thanks. I'll talk to you guys again soon. Have a good day.